Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you for the opportunity we have to gather today as New Life Christian Ministries. God, I thank you for the technology that allows us to gather online as a family. Lord, I ask and pray that you would speak to us today, that you would minister to our hearts so that, Father, we could take what you teach us, what you instill in us, and apply it to a world that needs you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks so much for joining us online today. I'm Pastor Barry. I'm the executive pastor here at New Life. And before we get into the message today, I would just like to take a moment to thank those in our audience who have been, well, really, frankly, very generous with their time, their talent, their treasure, and their touch. And I'm speaking, of course, of those who have served in our armed forces. It's Veterans Day upcoming this week, and as always at New Life, we would just like to take a moment to say thank you for what you've done, for the sacrifices that you have made that have allowed us to enjoy so many freedoms here in our country and in our culture. So if you're in the chat today and have served, would you let us know? We would just love to say thanks because really what you've done is exemplified what we're talking about today, which is to be generous with our very lives. So thank you. Thank you for your sacrifice, thank you for your service, and thank you for joining us today. As I mentioned, I'm going to be talking about generosity. It's a series that we kicked off last week, and Pastor Chris kicked us off by talking about time. Now, I know that generosity is an area of my life where I need a new beginning. Goodness gracious, it seems like almost daily. And when Pastor Chris spoke about time, he made the connection that our time is actually our lives. So if our lives are constituted of all these little segments of time, it would really be to our benefit then to make sure that we manage that really effectively, right? And as he stated so clearly, time is life, which means that we should be intentional with every minute. But as he also made really clear last week, and I just want to reiterate this, we can only be generous because of a relationship with Jesus Christ and because we are being continually filled with the Holy Spirit. We're not born generous, we're born selfish, right? He taught us that in Scripture, and we know this to be true, that outside of Adam and Eve, the only humans to live before sin, none of us have lived completely generous lives. None of us have ever put the other person first in every area of our life, whether it be our time, our treasure, our talent, or our touch. So, If that's the case, what hope do we have? Well, I want to share these words from Pastor Chris. True generosity comes from the heart of God. Once we trust Jesus as Savior and Lord in our lives, we're changed from the inside out. Jesus called called it being born again. The Spirit of God comes into us and empowers us to live lovingly and generously. So what Pastor Chris referenced is this battle that seems to happen daily, And for some of us, that battle happens quite early. I'll be honest, before I even get up in the morning, before I'm even out of bed, I have to take a moment and pray and give that day to God. Because I know that unless I set that tone early, I won't be generous that day. But what I want to do is to give it to him, to dedicate that day to him, and ask him that I would be generous with everything that he's given me. And right after I'm out of bed, right, I'm up, I'm moving, but what's the next step? Well, for me, it's to spend some time with God. And that's in Scripture and in prayer, but also in a devotional that I love. 
My mom bought me a copy of Oswald Chambers' classic devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, when I was like 16 years old. Now, I wish I could tell you that for two decades I've been reading it every day, but I haven't. But I have read the book through several times. And the reason I do that is because what Oswald Chambers does so well is he reminds me who I am and whose I am, and ultimately what my response should be. It should be my utmost for his highest, my best for God's glory. It's a daily battle where I'm asking the Lord to align everything that I am with everything that he needs me to be, whether that's with my time, my talent, my treasure, or my touch, because I want to glorify him in every area of my life, everywhere I live and work and play, and it's a battle. So today, I get to speak about our God-given talents, which are incredible and amazing, and they're also very different. We don't need to be convinced, I don't think, that all of us are different. We don't have to dig too deep to realize that all of us are created pretty uniquely, Some of us are shorter, some of us are taller, right? And the Enneagram and the Myers-Briggs Personality Index, if you don't know what those are, Google them. It's really a lot of fun to learn about yourself. But these tools help us to know and understand and realize that we process the world differently, we interact and respond to different situations differently, we're unique. And some of us are really good with our hands, right? And some of us are really great communicators. Others of us are great teachers or great managers or workers. It doesn't matter. The point is that we're all different and we're all unique. That's how God intended it to be. And it actually points to a truth that I want to make in our take-home point for today. And our take-home point, quite simply, is this. We have many talents, but one purpose. We have many talents, but one purpose purpose. In his letter to the people in Corinth, the Apostle Paul helps us to realize that we're part of a body. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 27. Also, since you're joining us online, you'll see a little little button that says notes. Feel free to click on that. You can follow along with my sermon notes today, and also the scriptures will be included there as well. But 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 27 says this, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the most honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that each, so that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony amongst the members, so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So, 
Paul starts with the obvious. We're different. Just as the body is constituted of many parts, so too is the church body made up of a great collection of individuals. And this is key. Our differences are necessary. Our differences are necessary. We need hands and feet and eyes and ears and toes. We need those parts. Like Paul says, if everything was an ear, how would we smell, right? And, and if everything were, were, were a nose, how would we see? He makes these analogies, and it's clear. We need each other. We need these different parts. We're different. That's by design. None of us is to be ashamed or embarrassed or arrogant about what position we hold within the body, what we bring to the body. We are all placed for a purpose, and we all have a role to fill. Each of us has been created for that purpose, and we need to function as a body together. Also, Paul explained that even though we're gifted differently, God has placed us in each position uniquely. He has us where he wants us. Think about that for a moment. God has uniquely gifted and particularly placed each and every one of us where he wants us to be. Hmm, where he wants us to be. Have you ever been in a situation where you haven't felt like enough or where you really wished you were someone else? I mean, there's been times in my life where I thought, gosh, I could just be so much more effective maybe if I was over there. Or, boy, the grass looks greener at that spot. Or if only I had that talent. Or if only I were that person. Or if only I could do those things. But it doesn't matter if I think if I could be more effective or not. The reality is, is that God has gifted and placed each and every one of us exactly where he wants us to be. In the moments where I'm thinking, gosh, it would be much better if I were over there or I could do that thing, I remember these words of Oswald Chambers. He says this, it does require the supernatural grace of God to live 24 hours of every day as a saint going through drudgery and living an ordinary, unnoticed, and ignored existence as a disciple of Jesus. It's ingrained in us that we have to do exceptional things for God but we do not. We have to be exceptional in the ordinary things of life and holy on the ordinary streets among ordinary people. And this is not learned in five minutes. Wow, doesn't that sound appealing, ordinary, unnoticed, ignored? We live in a me-first culture where we want to be seen, where we want to be uh, where we want to be platformed, where we want people to notice us. And these terms like unseen, ordinary, unnoticed, ignored, boy, that's contrary to our culture. But the ultimate goal is ultimately that we are doing what God would have us do, that we would do what he intends. God intends for us to play our part for his glory, not our own. Let me say that again. God intends for us to play our part for his glory, not our own. He placed us where he wants within his body to serve at his pleasure. That's a hard lesson for us to learn, friends, because a lot of times we want what we want, but we bend that knee knowing that God has a much greater plan. We're uniquely gifted, right? We're particularly placed so that we can play a part in God's much bigger 
thing. And here's the great part. We get to do it together. We get to do it together. Now, in America, the concept of doing things together isn't always isn't always, I don't know, celebrated is probably the best way because we love the individual, right? We do celebrate the hero, the individual. And so many of our stories and movies reflect that strong hero, right? That guy or that gal that gets it done, does it by themselves. They might have a helper or two, but they're the really the one that kind of pulls themselves up by, them, by their bootstraps. The other day, I had a little bit of time. I think it was raining. And it was just kind of one of those rainy, lazy afternoons or evenings. I thought, I'd like to watch a movie. And so you know my love for Star Wars, and so on Disney Plus, they just put on the movie Solo, which is the origin story of Han Solo. And I'd seen it once or twice, but I thought, ah, I, I like that movie. I can't remember the entire plot line. I want to watch it again. And so there's one scene where, where Han's running away from stormtroopers. And in order to get away, he decides that he should sign up for the Imperial Armed Services, actually to become a stormtrooper, storm which is kind of ironic. He wants to become a pilot, but that doesn't really happen. Anyway, the intake officer says to him, hey, what's your name? And he says, it's, it's Han. He said, no, what's your full name? What's your family name? And then he actually says, who are your people? To which Han replies, I have no people. And the intake officer, kind of realizing the situation, goes, solo. Han, solo. And I thought, even as I'm watching the movie, man, that's really sad, isn't it? That's really sad to be completely alone, no family, isolated, alone, solo. And so many of us at times in our life have felt that way, right? We felt alone or isolated. And I think we feel all that a lot in our culture, but that's not the way that it should be. That's not the way it ought to be. It can be, but it shouldn't be. Why? Because we're part of a family that comes together collectively, each bringing our unique talent and gift or gifts to use for God's glory. We get to come together corporately in worship. We get to gather in homes and in groups to build those relationships, to learn of each other, to get to know one another, ultimately to serve God where he wants in his place at his desire to spread his kingdom. Paul's clear, we ought to live in harmony with one another within the body. He makes the point that we need each other. Frank, frankly, we're all a necessity, right? There are no weak links. We need each other. No part is too weak, no part too important. There is no in-between. If one of us is injured, we all hurt. If one of us succeeds, we all celebrate and in so doing, we move forward in unity. So what then is the purpose of this body, right? Paul calls us the very body of Christ. And so if we're joined together as a body, this collection of people uniquely gifted, particularly placed, what then is our purpose? Well, I would suggest that our job description has been the same since really day one, since the creation of humanity. If we look at Genesis 1, verses 26 through 28, it says this, Then God said, let, let, us, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then he said these words, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, be fruitful. 
and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, roll over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So, humanity is made in the very image of God. We're actually what's known as his image bearers. Now, I don't know that that means that we look like God. Like, I don't know that I have God's eyes, right? You know, those family resemblances, I don't know that that's what that means. What I believe it means and what scholars believe it means is that we actually represent God everywhere that we are as his image bearers. So we represent him everywhere we live, everywhere we work, and everywhere that we play. Think of it like this. Think of it like a kingdom. Now, if we were to serve our king and our king were to say to us, hey, I need you to go to this foreign land and I need you to be my image bearer, what would that mean? Well, for most of us, I think we would make the conclusion, and rightly so, if I'm going to go bear the image of the king in that place, I'm going to go be his representative, right? I'm going to go be his governor or, or whatever term we may use. But that means that I don't represent myself. I, I represent the king. And so everything that I say, everything I do is not me, it's the king. It's interesting, but I think of this a lot when I wear like New Life swag. You know, we always have a hoodie or a t-shirt. And, and, I, and I think of that often when I'm wearing that shirt that I'm a representative, not of Barry, but I'm a representative of New Life. And it's the same in this situation. This is the same in the kingdom of God. We bear his image, we represent him everywhere that we are. So before sin entered the world, Adam and Eve perfectly reflected and perfectly co-ruled with God in creation. It's incredible. They had this perfect relationship with him. They represented him perfectly, and they co-reigned and co-ruled with God on the earth. But then we know sin did enter the world. And so that image in all of humanity was damaged, broken. It's not gone. There's still some pieces of it, but it's not what it was intended to be. And so God wasn't reflected as he intended. And his kind of next plan was that his people, Israel, would reflect his image. He actually says that Israel would be a light to the nations, that they would reflect God to the other nations. And that didn't work. And so what happens next? Well, Jesus. And in Jesus, we have someone who could do what no one else could. He didn't have to represent God. He was God. He was God in the flesh. So no longer do we have to wonder what it looked like to represent, to be an image bearer. The image of God was here. And so as Jesus lived out in existence here in the flesh, he showed us what we ought to do. And through his life and death and resurrection, he cleared the way for us to the throne of grace and then empowered us with the Holy Spirit so that we can do what we can't do on our own, which is reflect the image of God to a world that needs it. This promise is stated really explicitly in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And I have to tell you, this verse is very important to me. This is my life verse. It's a verse that I, that I have really based my life upon, and I want to share it with you today. It says this, And we, who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his likeness or image with ever-increasing glory that comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit meaning the Holy Spirit. Now, in some translations, the word reflect is, is actually the word contemplate. But I want to share with you why, why that happened and also where this verse comes from. 
when we, when we read this, they're actually, the Apostle Paul is referencing uh, Moses, because Moses would go and meet with God. And as he met with God, God's glory was so brilliant that when L- Moses left the meeting, his face would literally radiate with the glory of God. And so to hide the glowing, he would put on a veil. But that's not what this verse says that we should do. Now, the question is, should we reflect God's glory or contemplate God's glory? Well, think about what Moses did. How did his face glow? He was in the presence of God, where he contemplated the glory and lordship of the Lord. And as a result, his face glowed. So should we reflect or should we contemplate? Yes, we ought to do both. But unlike Moses, we shouldn't hide our face with a veil. We get to reflect this glory, these talents, these abilities to a world that needs it. We get to do it, it says, in increasing measure. So there's a sense in which that as the days go on and as the years years progress, that glory just becomes so evident in all that we think and say and do with our time, our talent, our treasure, our touch, and we get to do it in every arena of our lives. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. We're uniquely gifted for the purpose of reflecting God to a world who needs Jesus. We're made to be his image bearers. That is our primary calling. Everyone says, what ought I do? Well, the primary, the primary calling in our lives is that we reflect the image of God to the world. It's been that way since day one. And we can't do it individually. We do it corporately, right? There's a body component to this. It's always a corporate affair. If any part is missing, if any part is damaged, if any part is hurting, we walk with a limp. If one part of the body doesn't show up, we all suffer. We need each other. The church needs her people in order to spread the glory of God to a world that needs it. And obviously, I know that many of us want to play a part. We want to be generous with our talent, with our gifts. One of the questions that I'm asked most frequently as a pastor is, what would the Lord have me to do? What would the Lord have me do? How do I, how do I serve him? How ought I do that? And they want folks generally, and, I, and I, I'll be honest, I've asked this question as well, how do we respond to this specific calling in our lives? What ought we do specifically? And I really love how Pastor, Pastor Chris responded to this last week when he explained, in this case, he, Paul, tells us to understand what the Lord wants you to do. How do we do that? It's simple. Read his teaching, God's teaching, and then put it into action in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do that thoughtlessly. We'll have to set aside time to read and study or listen to an online Bible But then, not just hear the words or read the words, but understand, which means if we don't understand, we either ask someone for help or we do some more research. If you're thinking, that sounds like work, yes, it does, and yes, it is. Honestly, friends, this is where the process breaks down for a lot of us. We like quick answers. We like things to be microwaved in our culture. We want this pretty quickly, but that's not the way it works. God has uniquely gifted us and given us unique talents, but he also gives us a scripture that helps us to understand what we ought to do. And so it's to our benefit then to seek that out. 
And we have to really put in the time. I find a lot of times when I'm asked that question, folks want me to tell them so that they can just skip a bunch of steps. I used to do that, but it never works because we have to spend time not only reflecting God's glory, but contemplating it as well. We like those quick and easy answers, but that's not the way it always works. So let's start with what we know. We're called to be generous, right, with our time, our talent, our treasure, and our touch. And these gifts are given to us by God for His glory. We get to work it out together corporately in the body. And how should we apply that practically, right? The how question. Again, Pastor Chris is helpful. He said this last week. I'm talking about waking up in the morning and investing the day doing what God designed you to do. Teaching, building houses, cutting and styling hair, preaching, selling products, whatever it is. And as you do those things, be careful, wise, making the most of every opportunity, opportunity, understanding the Lord's will, and sharing all that with others in the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're thinking, well, that sounds like ordinary life. Yeah, it is. Remember what Oswald Chambers said, we get to do these things in ordinary life, but we get to do it for His glory. For some reason in our culture, we have this understanding that it's only of God if it's something extraordinary. And those, mo- those moments will happen from time to time. But most of our service for God is lived in the ordinary. And the new beginning that I often need to make is that I understand that to be generous with my talent means that I need to walk that out in an ordinary life, waiting for the opportunity for God to give me uh, an opportunity perhaps to do something different, or for him to teach me and show me what he would have me do next. This is simple stuff, but it is not easy. I do love how the Lord oftentimes puts those cookies kind of on the bottom shelf for us. He doesn't make this hard, but we want to do those grand things, or we want to get noticed, or we want to know right away, and that oftentimes doesn't happen. We have to remember that God has asked us to labor for his glory using our talent as he would where he has placed us for as long as he wants. And in so doing, his kingdom grows and expands. Whenever those moments arrive where we just feel like we're not moving anywhere or we're not doing anything or we're not being used, perhaps it is time for a new beginning, a time for a a new beginning to reestablish our connection with God, to bask in his presence, to contemplate him, and ask that we would be reflective, and ask that whatever he would ask us to do, that we would be bold enough to do it, whether we like it or not. When we respond in, in, in obedience, like we get to, right? We get to respond in obedience and enter into this kingdom work, he's honored and he's glorified. And in so doing, we'll live out what is our next step for today. I will use my talent to build God's kingdom this week. I will use my talent to build God's kingdom this week. Let's be honest, in this season, so many of us, we need that new beginning daily. Because living generously, it's contrary to our nature. We need that daily guidance so that we can do what only God would enable and empower us to do. We need to be empowered by that Holy Spirit, by His Holy Spirit, for when we do, we're able to be generous with our time, our talent, our treasure, and our touch. We hear from Him. We know when to be patient. 
we know what we ought to do next. And if we don't, he gives us the patience to endure until we do. And when he prompts, we further his kingdom by reflecting his glory to a, to a nation and to a world that needs it, all for his glory and for his honor. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're thinking today, Pastor Barry, that sounds great, but I don't know what it means to be a part of the body of Jesus. And honestly, I have no idea what God would, would have me do because I don't have a relationship with God. I understand. There's been times in my life where my relationship with God has been pretty lacking. And thankfully, I was able to come to the Lord at an early age to come to know Him. But if you haven't accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord of your life, and you would like to, why not do it today? When we allow Jesus to be Savior and Lord of our lives, he comes in, he reigns over us. He gives us purpose and meaning. He helps to instruct our days. He helps to develop his talent in us. And he ultimately leads us into a, into a better life, a life that is serving him. If that's your desire today and you feel the Holy, Holy Spirit prompting in your heart, to make that commitment, I would encourage you to do that today. As we oftentimes say here at New Life, it's simple, it's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. Admit, believe, confess. We admit that we are sinners and that we're in need of a savior. We believe, we believe that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is in fact the son of God and he is worthy of our glory and honor and praise. We confess, we confess not just our sins, but we confess that we are in desperate need of a Savior. If that's you today, I would encourage you that as I pray today, that you would lift up the name of the Lord, that you would simply say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Would you please be my Savior, because he saves us from sin and death, and my Lord, which means that he is our owner. And in so doing, you would begin to take the first step of what, is, what are many steps into entering a relationship with him. Let's pray. Father God, I would ask right now that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would minister to each and every one of us. For those of us who, who need a touch from you, God, I pray that you, would, that you would grant that to us. For those who have not yet made a commitment to you, I pray that you would speak to their hearts even right now. Father God, that you would prompt them and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, they they would submit to you, to your lordship in their lives. For those of us, God, who, who are part of your family and are walking through this season where we're going, Lord, I, I just don't always know the next step. I don't know how, exactly how you've gifted me or what I ought to do. Father God, I pray that they would bring that, that we would bring that before you and that you would speak to us. Where encouragement is needed, that you would encourage. Father, where prompting is needed, you would prompt. Where guidance is needed, you would guide. All all for your honor and for your glory, Father, so that we would see your kingdom grow and expand from here to the very ends of the earth. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did make that commitment today, I would invite you to just raise a hand. There's a little button there on, on, on your screen, and someone will follow up with you. We would just love to follow up with you because this is the first step of many steps. For the rest of us, may we go forth this week reflecting God's glory, using his gifts and talents that he's put into our lives to see his kingdom grow and advance from here to the very ends of the earth. Amen.